Let's get in the Word. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll have two openings this morning, and then, of course, we'll look at other scriptures. You know how we are around here. We're Word people. Hallelujah. You didn't come to hear a man's opinion. Praise God. Uh, It's the Word that makes the difference. Not what I think. Amen. So, we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And then we'll turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 in praying and talking to God, waiting on God about uh, what was my part for today, what He would want me to say and talk about minister. Uh, I just very definitely had this scripture came up in my heart as a stopping off place, and uh, as a starting off place rather. And so, praise God. Father, we thank You for the written Word. God, it's such a precious oh, gift that You've given the world and to the church. But God, it's, it's really lifeless without the quickening of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we look to you today to, first of all, assist and equip and grace and anoint and help me to utter the Word of God boldly and concisely and in faith and under the anointing, praise God, of the gift of the pastor you've put in my life. That it would come out in love and in boldness in Jesus' name. But God, we also know that those that are hearing and listening, they have a part to play. And that, God, that they would receive the Word as it is the very Word of the living God. And that, God, that they have already decided when they see it in the Word, the principle, the thought, the message in the Word, they've decided they're going to lay hold of it and be doers of it. Because that is what unlocks the power that transforms, is being a doer of the Word. And so we thank you for this moment we've come to be be exalted in all that's done and said. And may the people be helped to the uttermost. In Jesus' name, amen. In Ephesians 4, verse, well, let's go ahead and read verse 26 and 27. Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your ass. So God puts a clock on how long it's okay to be mad. Amen. Amen. You should never go to bed angry. Amen. Well, why? Look at verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. If you read that 27th verse in many other translations, very enlightening, you'll say things like, don't give the devil a chance. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Amen. And uh, so... He dealt with that specifically in the area of anger, but how many of you know there's many ways that you could give place to the devil? Amen. Flip back over to the left to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll read a verse here I'm sure you maybe are anticipating. If you've been around, uh, praise God. If not, it's new to you. You'll see it just shortly here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. Verse 29 and 30 uh, 30 says, For he that eats and drinks, talking about the Lord's Supper, the receiving of communion, for he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation, or condemnation would be a better word, to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now notice this uh, verse 30, these first three words, for this cause. Everyone say that out loud. For this cause. Amen. What happens? For this cause, if you have a new King James, it says for this reason. It, what's the next word? Not a few, many, many. Many means a lot. Many means not just a few. Many are what? Many are weak. 
Many are sickly and many sleep. That word sleep means to die premature. If you look it up in the Greek, it means to die premature. Amen? Now, why are, why are these Christians weak? Why are they sickly? Sickly means prone to sickness. They're likely, they're vulnerable to sickness. Are we reading the Bible? You get a lot of help, a lot of answers right up front if you, if you pay attention to this. Amen? Many are weak, many are sickly, and some die before they should. That's a really good modern phrase that would define the Greek word sleep, translated sleep. Amen? If every Christian dies on time in the plan of God, that their very death equals, it means that was God's plan, then this verse is mis- it shouldn't be in there. It says to die premature, to die before they should have. And is this a reflection of God's sovereign will in a person's life? Notice what it said, for this cause. For this cause. So think about the two phrases in Ephesians 4, 27, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. We see this, talking to Christians, not talking to sinners, talking to people that are going to heaven, people that have a covenant with God. Amen? People that have a pastor, have a local church. Okay, Ephesians 4, 27. Don't give the devil a place. Don't give the devil an opportunity. You could say it this way, don't give him an open door. Don't give him an open door. 1 Corinthians 11.30, for this cause, bad things happen. For this cause, you can become weak. For this cause, you can become sickly. In other words, you've opened the door for weakness to come in. You've opened the door, amen, for sickness to come in. Or you've opened the door to the extreme where you could die before you should have. And how many, right, is this happening to just a few Christians? Spirit of God says it's happened to many. Now this answers huge questions for Christians. In most Christians in mainline denominations, they have a little bit of light, a little bit of understanding from the Word of God that, okay, that we've been made the righteousness of God. That we are now no longer sinners, but we are the righteousness of God. We have become God's sons and daughters. Right? And we also know a reading of the New Testament, even a casual reading of the New Testament, will uh, reveal to us that we are redeemed. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. Uh, That we have in the New Covenant, as children of God, we have promises. We have promises. Amen. And we know, we were just saying about it, people in their hearts, from every Christian stripe, they know inherently God's a good God. He's a good God. Amen. Well, why does why how come a good God who has children bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? And we'll define good people as Christian people. Well, because God's got some sort of sovereign plan. No. That's not what these scriptures reveal to us. Is it possible Now, the church at Ephesus, these are spiritual people. Amen? Uh, This is a powerful church. Amen? And these are not just uh, uh, low level. I mean, these are devil casting out, tongue talking, spiritual gift, armor of God, sword of the Spirit, Christians. And yet, the Spirit of God is writing them, warning them 
Don't give the devil a chance. Don't open the door to him. Don't give him a place in your life. Now, is there any other scripture that you could think of? I'm thinking of one. If we give the devil a place, what will the devil do? Devour, steal. Jesus said in John 10, 10, The thief cometh not, except but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So if we give the devil a place, what will he do in that place? He will kill, he will steal, he will destroy. He will kill a good marriage, he will kill health, he will kill mental peace, he, he will kill finances, he will rob us, he will steal blessing. Amen. Come on, can we, I don't want to go further until we get a 100% agreement from the word. Can a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian, give place to the devil? Amen. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. Is there a reason, a cause, why many Christians are weak and sickly and die before they should? And can we stipulate, according to that scripture, God's not the reason. I said, God's not the reason. I love, I think it was R.W. Shambach or somebody back then, one of those great preachers said this, God is never your problem. God is never your problem. Amen? Hallelujah. So we need, this answer so, this, as a denominational boy, this revelation answered so many questions for me. Amen. God is not playing puppeteer with our lives. He's a good God, and He has sent His Son, who's already done a wonderful redeeming work. Amen. And He has already purchased in our redemption every good thing that pertains to life and godliness has already been bought, paid for, and given to us. What I was lacking and what so many Christians today are lacking is the understanding that the outcome of their life, amen, is de- they have a responsibility about the outcome, how things turn out in our lives. It's not just all up to God. I said it's not just all up to God. That you and I have a part to play. And I didn't, when I saw this in the Word, I didn't count that as a bad thing. I love it because, first of all, it solidified in me what I knew all along in my spirit, in my heart. That God is a good God. He's not out killing people and causing car accidents and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, putting cancer on people and, and robbing people of parents and grandparents and keeping people in poverty. And he's not. I said he's not. And, and, and for, for me to have it confirmed in the Word, amen, what I knew in my heart all along, that God is on my side. God is on my side. Hallelujah. His will is to heal me. His will is to provide for me. His will is to protect me. His will is to bless me. His will is to use me. And you too. What we need to stop at, at periods in, in our life and, and ask ourselves is, if uh, we were not kept in a situation. Why, the question is not, God, why did you? Or, that's not the right question. Or, God, why didn't you? That's not the right question. The question Christians should ask is, God, what prevented you, what prevented you 
from being able to keep that off of me. How did that disease get on my body? How come, I know from, th- I know from many scriptures it's your will to prosper me. So what is preventing you from being able to prosper me materially? That's the right way to, appro- that's the right, because you're acknowledging the truth. And the truth will always bring freedom. That God is not the problem. And that if there is blessing absent in my life, that could it be, could it be that I've given the devil a, a, a way of access? Wouldn't that be the humble position? Let's see, if we were just really humble and honest, religion wants to put everything off on God. Everything's up to God. But that, that's not the biblical position. And it's an arrogant position. Because some things that happen in Christians' lives are obviously not good. They're obviously not good. Amen? The Bible says that every good gift, every good and perfect gift is from above. Is from above. With whom there is, from God, with whom there is no other change or shadow of turning. Is that right? I quoted part of John 10.10, where Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But what's the latter half of that verse? Jesus said, But I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, if I said, you said, uh, Hey, Pastor Chris, uh, would you like to X, Y, Z? On Friday afternoon, I said, well, I might. I might like to do that. I might be able to do that. Should he leave with an assurance? Well, bless God, it's done. No, it's possible. But the word might means might, might not. Is that right? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. In other words, I've come to do my part on God's side to make life and life more abundant available to everybody. Well, then why the word might? Because you and I have something to say about it. It's dependent on what we do. Now, had Jesus not come and bled and died and, and paid the price and confronted the devil and succeeded where Adam fell, then we wouldn't even have had a chance. It was might not. It was assuredly not. No approach to God, no way out of sin, no way back into the blessing. But because of what Jesus did, see, he opened the door. But it's up to you and me. I said it's up to you and me. And so this, this whole wonderful truth uh, takes a lot of this religious tradition that's reasoned away why Christians don't have prayers answered and why uh, there is... Why is it? I, the, you, maybe you don't think about this. You're, you're too wrapped up with YouTubers. I, but I think about stuff like this. Why is the divorce rate in the church the same as in the world? Yeah. Right. And why are God's people, God's redeemed, blood-bought people, as sick as the world? And why are we statistically just as subject to crime as the world? 
and economic, you were just as likely to be bankrupt, just as likely to have all of the things that the sinner on the cul-de-sac has. Christians, statistically, are just as likely to experience those things. And yet we have the Bible that says what it says. Why is it? The question, what's the right question to God? What is preventing you, Father, from preventing the curse that we are redeemed from, from entering into our lives? And the answer is, God looking down so sweet, he says, So honey, I told you, don't give the devil a chance. Don't open the door to him. Now I could preach the rest of this year and all of next year on the different causes or reasons. The doors that we could open. But the Lord said this morning, talk about one. Talk about one. And so we're going to endeavor with the time we have remaining to do that. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And what the Lord put on my heart to share with you, to warn us about a door through which the devil is coming and gaining access to many, many lives, is that Christians are not living a separated life. I know you turn in your Bibles and all that, but that went over with like a lead balloon, didn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> God said to me, I want, you to, I want you to talk to my people about an open door where the devil gets in. What's he do? Steal, kill, destroy. Amen. You know, when I was uh, at my dad's in Oklahoma this last um, April, just visiting, and my dad lives in a very nice uh, subdivision. I um, pulled up in the driveway after running some errands and went in the house and uh, didn't come back out and enjoyed time, went to bed. Got up the next day, went out to the truck to find the truck completely rifled through. Um, I had a firearm stolen. I had, uh, they, they knew, they knew what was valuable. They, they took the valuables. Ryan's uh, game system and, and all of that had, had been taken. And um, so I had to go through all that. I had to file a police report, have them come and, and do all of that. And do you know why our valuables were stolen? You do? I left the door unlocked. Now, um, had, uh, had the doors been locked, they would have had to do much more, they, had to, they would have to have been much more committed to commit the crime. In this instance, whose fault is it? It's okay to say it. It's my fault. Bunch of kids in the middle of the night, all they do is go up and down the cul-de-sacs, popping the door handles. In California, I rented a vehicle, a nice one. You, Amber rented a vehicle in her name. A 2021 7 Series BMW. We uh, finished our ministry trip. 
the official ministry part of it, so we said we're going to have date night, had date night, came back to our villa, a little hotel thing, villa thing, it was real, real nice, secluded, a uh, little resort type place, and uh, got out, pulled the door, went inside, went to bed, got up, got a pack, got to wheel my bag out to the car to go to the airport, no car, zero car, no car to be found, car is gone. Well, I, I didn't see broken glass. I didn't see any evidence of a break-in. So I, I go to start looking for the key fob. Pray for me. <laughs> Couldn't find the key fob. And realized what must have happened. It either fell out of my pocket, or I, you know how these things are, right? You don't need a key to put in. You, you just... You know, a lot of the time during that week, I carried it in my briefcase. As long as the briefcase is nearby, the car starts. Or I just threw it in the cup holder and forgot to take it out. Well, again, what's up? Opportunistic thieves coming along through the villas, through the resort, popping the handle. Not only did they find the handle, but the key fob inside saying, please take me for a joyride. Whose fault is it? Manufacturer, yeah. <laughs> Whose fault is it when a Christian does not take their Christian life seriously? Whose fault is it when Christians neglect the Word and they neglect their spiritual growth and their spiritual development? And the devil comes in through a door you left open. And it's the height of ignorance and arrogancy for us in a religious spirit to point our finger back at God and doubt Him and question Him about why this happened. I can get mad. You're right. It was wrong for those people to invade my space and to take what belonged to me. But I left the door open It would not have happened had I not left the... I, you, you think it was going to work? See, I know too much to go inside and go, Oh, God! Oh, God! Why did you let this happen to me? I'm out here teaching at the Bible school, investing in these students. I'm a tither and a giver. How come you, how come you let this happen to me? And Christians pray this kind of prayer all the time. And it's a big, loud, Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Good preaching. Good preaching. Hallelujah. Amen. It is our job to keep the enemy out. To refuse him access. And when we don't live an added, for where we are, we're all at different places in our spiritual growth and development. Amen. So only you and the Holy Ghost can really judge and know about some of these things. Amen? But uh, when we don't sufficiently live a separated life, let me say it another way, when we're too worldly. I said when we're too worldly. Being worldly opens up a door to the devil. Many ask me and many wonder, Pastor, what is 
What is the will of God? Y'all ever wonder that? What is the will of God? Well, look at 1 Thessalonians 4.3. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, For this is the will of God. Y'all want to know what the will of God is? I sure do. Let's find out what the will of God is. Your sanctification. That's the will of God. The will of God is that you be sanctified. Your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess their vessel. That's talking about your body. Amen. In sanctification and honor. Amen. The Amplified says that it's the will of God that you live a separated and set apart, that you live separated and set apart for pure and holy living. This is the will of God for every Christian, that we live a separated and pure life, a holy life. You know, the Bible says without holiness, no one will see God. No one will see God. Now, of course, you can't make yourself holy by good works, only by the new birth, only by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Praise God. But the holiness that's been imparted to your spirit in the new birth is to work itself to the outside. That's what Paul meant when he said, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. He means work your, the reality of your salvation inside to the outside. Amen. Now this is a process. The word sanctification literally means to be set apart for a special and holy purpose. And when you got born again, God sets you apart, brother. He sets you apart, sister. Amen. And, and you have a holy purpose to fulfill. You have been set apart for a holy purpose or use. Amen. Not growing in that becomes at some point disobedience. And disobedience always, always opens the door to the devil. Let me make this statement here from my notes. Anyone who desires to go on with God, do you desire to go on with God? I want more than a, a pass to get into heaven. I want to have heaven in my life down here on earth. And I want to be useful. I want to be pleasing to the Father. Anyone who desires to go on with God and fulfill what God has for them, uh, anyone that's going to walk in the fullness of God's blessings will need to embrace the will of God and the call to lay things aside. To ignore the call to lay things aside is to forfeit blessing and to invite the devil to pop your handle and steal from you. We, not God, are the ones who determine how much of what God makes available we actually experience. We are the ones, not God, who, who defines and designates how much of divine protection do you want to walk in? How much of divine supernatural prosperity do you want to experience? How much peace? How much love? How much joy? How much anointing? How much uh, protection from sickness and disease do you want to walk in? It's not God that's determining that. It's you and it's me. Amen. The call to separation is not to be thought of as negative. 
when God calls us through His Word and by His Spirit to lay things aside, God, you should not approach that as negative. Man, it's just such a killjoy to be a Christian. I can't go to the strip club anymore. Can't get drunk anymore. You actually can, but just on new one. That's a different sermon. You know, can't, can't, can't do this. Can't do that. Can't have sex with anybody I just want to have sex with. Well, no, you can't. And God is trying to save your bacon. You look at humans out there today. How marred they are. How twisted they are. Uh, uh, how perverse and how darkened and how reprobate my, men's minds have become. They don't even know if they're a boy or a girl or not anymore. They're strung out. They're addicted. They, uh, sin may be pleasurable for a short season, but it always has a bill. The wages of sin is always death. And if God tells you not to do something, it's because it's a sin, and the sin would produce death if you did it, and He's trying to save you. Get this out of your idea that sin is fun. You might have fun, but the bill is always going to come. The bill is always going to come due. The Bible is very clear. It is pervasive in the New Testament that every Christian is living under a commandment and an instruction to become more like Jesus. And to progressively separate ourselves from worldly things. Let me throw out a few scriptures at you quickly here. Romans 12, 2, you might write that down. Maybe they'll put that on the screen for us. Romans 12, verse 2, we know this. Paul instructed by the Spirit, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't be, the word conform means to be pressed into the mold of, to conform yourself to, to mimic or to pattern yourself after the world. Hello. The Bible says do not. Do not let the world be, as a mold, shape your life. But instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or discover or discern or see what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, if you're too worldly, you will forfeit the good, the perfect will of God for your life. You won't even be able to discern it. You won't be able, that word prove means to perceive it. And this is why so many Christians come to me and they, are, they seem so out of touch and darkened with what they were born for. They don't know what they were born for. You're on this earth for a purpose, honey. God's got a destiny for your life. And people seem so out of touch, so out of sync, and God is not hiding it from you. Amen. You, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a purpose on this planet, and God is not hiding it from you. But if you are too worldly, too buddy-buddy with sin and compromise and darkness in the world, you can't see it. You cannot perceive it. And therefore, if you stay like that, if I stay like that, we will forfeit it. And we will show up in heaven by the mercy of God, by the blood of Jesus and our salvation, but we will have done nothing 
with what God put us in the earth to do. And that is tragic. Whose job is it not to be conformed to the world? Mine. James chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. James uses very strong language when he's talking to Christians and calls them adulterers and adulteresses. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Christian, come on. I know we have flesh, we have appetites, we have desires for pleasures and entertainment and things like that. And God is into fun. God is into fun. But He's not into sin fun. He's into good, righteous, holy fun. Amen. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this up, uh, but I, 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 heard, I think it was Dr. Hadabal that made this statement, you know, and it has this image, or maybe it was a vision somebody had, and it was this Christian up on the fence, and the will of God and living right, living dedicated, living green, was on one side of the fence. And then on the other side of the fence was uh, the darkness and the sin and disobedience and the pleasures and the things that people do. And what was it, Brother Scott, that the Word came to him? Oh, he was an atheist, okay, and he's seeing this, and he's up on the fence. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So Satan shows up to take him, and the guy tries to protest and says, no, 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 you, you can't take me, I haven't made my decision yet. And the devil says, I own the fence. I own the fence. The fence is the devil's territory. I showed up in California, and Brother Willie, he had, one of the Bible students, he had made me a custom t-shirt with one of my quotes on it that I guess I had said during the Bible school teaching. And the quote says, with God, the only way is all the way. This is why Christians live such frustrated lives. They want more of the world. But they don't want to go to hell. And they're pulled in these two different directions. Their allegiances and loyalties are divided. And Jesus said, if you don't love me more, more than your mama and your daddy, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, your best friend, you are not worthy of me. The only way with God is all the way. If you will go all the way with God, you will have so much joy and so much peace and so much power and so much blessing and so much prosperity, and you will not have the problems, the trouble that so many other Christians have. They come to church, they shout hallelujah, and then they go right into the world, and they live like the world. They rob their own lives of power, and they bring that lifestyle mentality into their local church, and they rob their local church of power. I may not see or know, but God is, He knows everything you do, every click, everything you pull up, everything you read, every place you go. Amen. He knows it all together. He loves us, but come on, guys. We have got to be less worldly. Verse 5 of James 4 says, Do you not think, don't you know, that the Scripture says that the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? 
And if you study this Greek language, it literally means that the Spirit of God feels all the feelings of a husband or wife who finds out that they have been cheated on. The the bitterness, the hurt, the anguish, the betrayal, the Spirit feels because He wants us all to Himself and He does not and is not willing to share us with the world. So the Holy Spirit in us is in many lives a betrayed spouse. Cheated on. Heavy Rebbe. Glory, glory. Here's another scripture. James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. To keep oneself unspotted or unblemished, untainted from the world. Amen? Last one in this section. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, what's in the world? Let's find out. The lust of the flesh, the lust of your eyes, and mine too, and the pride of life. This is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now what's going on with the world? The world is passing away. See, you make all your investments in the world. The world is destined to be burned up. None of this you see is going to stay here. There is a fire of judgment that's going to come ultimately and renovate this planet. All the works, all the sin, all the curse, all the institutions, the tree you're not going to save all the trees, plant them, that's fine. You're not going to save them, they're all going to be burned up. I'm telling you, all of it is headed for ashes. You cannot save the planet. And you cannot destroy the planet. You just don't have that kind of power, honey. God is the keeper. Amen? But so regarding the world, we are not to love the world as a believer. Amen? Now, <laughs> this is Zoe here. Isn't she great? Hallelujah. New to the kingdom. Well, it's not up to me to tell her how to leave here and live in the detail. Amen? The Holy Spirit in her will lead her and prompt her about what he wants laid aside and separate, what he wants her to separate from. That is not my job. My job is to preach the word. My job is to preach the standard. Amen? But the Holy Spirit in her, amen, is the one that gets to decide what song is not okay, what movie's not okay, what place is not okay. When I left that frat party experience, amen, I wasn't sanctified like I'm sanctified now. And he began to deal with me. He began to deal with me. He touched that and he said, I want that dealt with. Uh And then he provides the grace 
and the power and the help for me and for Zoe and all of us, right? Now, where mom is today is not where Zoe is today. Right? Doesn't make her better than. She's been down the road longer. And no doubt, the Holy Ghost won't put up with mingling with things in your life that he might temporarily put up with in Zoe's life because she's learning. Are you with me? Yeah. So in closing, let's go to one more passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Y'all doing okay? It's not quite noon yet. Praise God, we're doing good. Trying to. You see, what is the motive behind this, God working this in my heart? He wants you to fulfill all God has. And He wants you to be able to lay hold of 100% of all His blessings. And the last thing He wants is to see the devil come in and make you weak. And make you sickly. Or take you out before you should. should, The devil should never have a say. He didn't have a say in my death. The Bible says the death of... Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. That's for me and God. The devil has no part in that. Aren't you concerned that the devil might target you for talking like this? It doesn't matter. He cannot do anything he wants to do in my life just because he decides he wants to. He'd have killed me already. See, he can't. (laughs) He can't. Now, I can act that way as long as I have my doors locked. My door's shut. But I'd really be at the height of deceiving myself if I was over here with the girl on the side and robbing from the church account and watching porn and then stand up here and say the devil can't touch me. He can. He's got a legal right to come into my life and wreak havoc because I opened the door to him. Here's the great thing. The door you open to the devil, you can shut. You may be living in a habit of compromise and sin, but you could decide before I even give you a chance in this service, you could repent. And say, I see that, Father. I repent. I'm making the change. You know what happens in the Spirit? Door shut. It's that easy. You do it that fast. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Praise God. Verse 14 through the end of the chapter. But be ye not, be ye not, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath the believer with an infidel? Y'all know the answer to all that? None. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Hallelujah. I like that, right? See, this is good. God, I'm the temple of the living God. And God says, I'm going to dwell in you, and I'm going to walk in you, and I'm going to be your God. Isn't He my God? He is our God, but He wants to be your God on the freeway. He wants to be your God in finances. He wants to be your God as your healer. See, He is our God, but He can't be that to us when we've got doors open for the enemy to come in. Wherefore, look at verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, 
and I will receive you. Isn't that interesting? He's writing to Christians. He's writing to people who are already born again. He's not talking to the sinner or the unbeliever. And God will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now skipping right over into the next chapter. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us what? Who's going to do it? We're going to do it. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, maturing, developing holiness in the fear of God or in the reverence and awe and respect of God. So real quick, I'm not going to be able to expound on them for time's sake, but I want to give you four categories where you need to be separating, living a separated life. Four categories, four words, they all start with P. Try to make it convenient for you. The first category is people. People. Notice it says, let us come ye out from among them. Don't be ye not unequally yoked with... That's people. So... This call to separation, and this is the most critical and the most intense for a baby Christian, for a new Christian, because they come into the kingdom with nothing but worldly thinking and worldly associations, right? I mean, that's not wrong. That's just the way it is. So maybe everybody in their world (laughs) is worldly. The first thing I remember... God dealing with me about when I got away from that frat party was, Chris, get rid of all your friends. A double L, double hockey sticks, get rid of all your friends. Now that was a bitter pill for me to swallow because I'm a people person. I'm not wired like my wife. She don't have to have friends. <laughs> Amen. But I like people around. And I didn't know any godly people that I wanted to hang around. He said, get rid of them all. For a solid year, I had no friends. I had my family members. But I had no friends. I was new to the church I was going to. They knew my face. I was raised there, but, you know, I was the kid to stay away from in that church. Yeah, I was. You know, not just because youth, parents in this church, not be, just because you see someone in this church every Sunday doesn't make them good fellowship. You want to think that they're all holy and... They run around the church. You think that means that they got it all together outside the church. No, it just means they got excited under the anointing and responded. You have to guard your fellowship. So I had no friends for a solid year. But it was during that time where God and I got intimately acquainted. And it was during that time that I really learned a lot about hearing God's voice for myself. He's all I had. Then God gave me Amber. And over time, it just gets sweeter and sweeter. But I'm telling you, especially at the beginning, when we have newly 
when we have Zoe's come, amen, we need to shower folks like that with invitations and, right, and, and support and prayer because there's a lot of ties that want to suck them back into the old way of life. And there's grace for it, but in the natural, it's not the easiest thing in the world to break free from everything and everyone you've ever known in your commitment to live a different life. But it's necessary. I said it's necessary. Bad company corrupts good habits. That's the scripture. You're right. We want to think that good folks trump and can change the bad one. The Bible says bad company corrupts the good. Amen? You know, this whole thing about, you know, kids and young people and having friends. That's overrated. We want them to, I want my kids to have friends. Amen? But more than I want them to have friends, I want them kept for God and His plan. Amen? And one of the things we put in our kids is get your eye off age. Some of our children's closest fellowship has been with people much older than them. And when people have said, your kids are seem much more mature than kids their age, that's because of who they fellowship with. And of course, we prayed and believed God. I remember Rex, he, he, for a long time, we didn't have hardly any boys in the church. I said, son, pray. Use your faith. God brought Maurice, and God brought Micah, and God brought Landon, God brought Josh, and God brought a whole crop of them. Amen. Hallelujah. So the number one is people. Number two is places. People, places. There are places you should not be. Amen. Where sin is celebrated. There are places I used to frequent. I don't go there anymore. Amen. Praise God. Unless you're working a night job, there is nothing good going on at 2 a.m. Little honey, you should be in bed. More kids go to jail because they did something because they were bored. Telling you, places, places, get away, no more bars, no more clubs, no more shady street corners, dark pool halls, buy yourself a pool table, don't go to one of those places, I like playing pool, I don't drink, baloney, I don't believe you, buy yourself a pool table. Amen. Amen. I don't hang out where I used to hang out. I don't go where I used to go. So number two is places. Number three is personal. Personal. What I mean, there are things unique to you. You know them. That are personal. Habits. Behaviors. Sins you commit. Shows you watch. You know, I've tried, I've tried, I really have tried to give Disney every break. Because I like Star Wars and I like certain things, but I'm done with them. 
I'm done with Disney. Don't beware of Buzz Lightyear. Don't go see the movie. You're going to see two little buzzes kissing, male ones making out together. Don't go do it. That's just me. Now, that's me. I'm not preaching that as you do what you do. You be you. I'm done with Disney. I'm not going to their theme park. I'm not, I'm not doing their streaming services. I'm getting those canceled. And, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating on the flesh side, right? Because you'd like to watch something every now and then, you know, you know. They had a good thing going with Mandalorian, but, you know, they just ruined it with all their other stuff. They bait you with something decent, and then they hit you with kissing Buzz Lightyear. I mean, they just, come on. But I'm done with them. I'm done with CBS. I'm done with Paramount Plus. I'm just getting it on the record. That's just me. It's just nothing but propaganda and gay characters all the time. And the more you are, the more normal. And that's what they want. Make it more normal. Not shocking anymore. Amen. It's worldly. Well, what am I, what am I kind of revealing? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Whatever. But I may, if nothing else, you got some insight into how the Holy Ghost is dealing with me right now about what to lay aside. Don't follow me, follow the Holy Ghost in your heart. Amen? So there are things that are personal. And God's dealing with you about laying those things aside. It's for your good, it's for your benefit. Keep the door shut, the devil. So that when you need healing, healing flows. When you need protection, protection's there. When you need finances to flow, they do. There's no hindrance. And you're able to carry, come on, you're able to carry a stronger, a fuller portion of the holy anointing on your life. Remember Him? Who's living in you? The Holy Spirit. Holy. The fourth category is priorities. Priorities. Some things that were once the height of your priority can no longer be. I grew up a weekender. We were weekender people. Worked hard during the week, my parents, but we were Lakers at the weekend. Boaters, skiers, tubers, jet skiers. I grew up on the lake. Now listen, there is nothing sinful or wrong about the lake. Having a boat, having a jet ski. But for one call to the ministry, wherever the height of what I do is on the weekend, I had to lay that aside. I don't want a boat. Don't give me one. I don't have time. I'm not believing for one. I don't want a jet ski. I'll just ride yours. But I see, I don't even have time. I just don't, I just don't have time. And you know what? I, I don't even, I, I don't have time for so much of what, what would just be just fine. Just normal recreation. I, I, just, I just don't have time. And you know what I've learned to do? I have fun doing what I'm doing. I'm going to have a blast in Wayne City, Illinois. I, I'm, I'm, going to, I, I'm going to have a blast praying and getting tanked up on the Holy Ghost and giving out whatever I have and pulling on the other ministers. And if I go to India later this year, I'm just going to have a blast, whatever I don't get to do, because you know I, wanted, I, I blocked out November originally because I want to take my son and my kids to an OU football game. I've never gotten to take my kids to an OU football game. And so I blocked out all of November for that, but now God seems to be dealing with me about going to India. Well, I'm just going to have, if that's how that plays out, I'm just going to have a great time going to India. 
and eating curry and having miracles. Seeing people get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. Pastors taught. Right? Might not be bad, but what's keeping you from 30 minutes of praying? Lay it aside. What's keeping you from studying your Bible? Lay it aside. If we don't, we forfeit. We forfeit precious things. We forfeit advancement in our callings. Some of you are so loaded up with recreation. Let me talk to the camera. And you know God is not so blessing you in your career that you're excused from service in the local church. That's never God, right? Maybe blessing you in your career. But don't say, well, God, yeah, God is so blessing me, I can't come, Pastor. There are intense seasons, you know, maybe a short, you know, I understand, like Tony and Stasia, they're moving, and, you know, they've got, you know, got to get this estate from that estate, and so I don't want you to think that I just was targeting you with that because there's an intense season where I know what it's like to move after you've been in a place for a lot, you know, and you miss a few services, that's okay. But I'm not, I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about I'm so blessed, God. I'm just so blessed. And my kids are so blessed. We can't come. We've got to resign our helps ministry position. See, that's not God. Amen? So what do we talk about here? We talked about, in closing, we talked about people. You, know, you should evaluate every relationship. Is it helping or hurting in your spiritual fire and desire? Are you more or less holy when you're around them? I said, are you more or less holy when you hang with them? What kind of jokes come out of your mouth? What kind of behaviors? What kind of attitudes? You know, you hang around with someone and all these racial jokes come out. That you, that's wrong fellowship. You wouldn't say that here. You prune them off. Amen. People. Places. Personal. Personal things. Amen. Priorities. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we pray.